Welcome to Between Two Printers, a podcast where we will discuss all things 3D printing and ONP. I'm your host, Jeff, and I've been with Warm for the past 19 years, and recently my role has been increasingly revolving around 3D printing. So we decided to create a podcast to discuss and share some of the learnings we've had along this journey. Hello again, Jeff here with another episode of Between Two Printers. Joining me again is Chris Hanford. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here again with you. Yeah, I just thought we'd discuss a little bit today around uh, the, the materials that uh, people use in the ONP industry for 3D printing. You know, I thought just by, by mentioning where we've seen a lot of people get started, especially when they start working with 3D printing, is you know, they go out and buy uh, a cheap printer to see uh, what they can learn and see what they can do with it. Um, and then the materials always seems to be an after, afterthought about uh, what that printer can print with because um, the materials you can use are of course tied very closely to the the technology that you're using. What we've seen a better approach is to kind of identify the, the the patient population you're trying to serve and the criteria you're going to um, use to decide you know what kind of uh, device you're providing uh, so that the patients are getting the right kind of care. Um, this can help determine what the material properties should be in advance. Um, and, uh, you know, there's often ways of designing in the functionality you need um, by doing it that way around. Um, of course, the type of material you'll be able to print is dependent on the, the technology. But, you know, and for, for this uh, discussion, we want, really want to focus on the materials specifically. But I guess, Jeff, uh, in general, uh, how do you think the technology impacts the kind of functionality that you can design into the device? Yeah. So. You made the important point, I think, that uh, it really kind of depends on which technology you're using. So, for example, when you look at the MJF printers, um, there's substantially less choice on materials than with your typical FDM, FFF printers. Um, and so what that means is to get the additional uh, material properties that you might want out of a print, you need to design uh, internal aspects of the structure to get the functionality that you need. So what that means is if you want to have a softer material, you don't just go choose a softer material, which you might do with an FDM printer. You will design in effectively like micro springs through some sort of lattice on the inside of your shape to get the compliance of the material that you might need. Um, with FDM, basically you're looking at can the material melt and if so, you can probably print a bit. Um, in the extreme, there's people that have, you know, fiddled around and made 3D printers that will print chocolate, for example. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be using chocolate for a lot of ONP devices. Um, I mean, it might be a good market because you're certainly going to sell a lot of them. But hmm. uh, from a safety standpoint, it's probably not the way to go. But the main point is with an FDM, you've got the opportunity to choose through various degrees of stiffness of the same type of material, let's say a TPU in uh, different stiffnesses in order to get different levels of compliance with a given device. Uh, whereas the MJFs and the SLS type printers, for the most part, have a much more limited subset of materials available to them. Very cool. Um... So let's just dive right in on some of the specific materials. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, FDM. So um, one material I think that's kind of specific to the FDM is, is PLA or polylactic acid. Uh, it's probably the most used for uh, hobbyists for a few reasons. Um, it's cheap and it's easy to print. 
and for the FDM printers. Uh, without a heated print bed, this is kind of the, the material that you can use. Um, so it's probably the go-to most of the time. Um, but for ONP specifically, where do you think that the uh, PLA can be used? Yeah, so the, the challenge with PLA uh, in particular for ONP devices is of the, of the print materials that are most commonly used on FDM printers, it is uh, the lower melting temperature uh, on the end, sorry, it's on the lower end of the melting temperatures. Uh, you've got stuff like nylon, PETG, uh, TPUs that all melt at a significantly higher temperature. PLA prints typically between 190 and maybe 210 Celsius, um, which is certainly a lot hotter than body temperature, but it does soften around body temperature. Uh, so that's going to have an Im implication if you, you try to make a load-bearing device set of PLA and then have a patient wear it, um, it's going to be in a non-ideal operating temperature just by being at, uh, at human temperature. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, yeah, certainly for, for this industry, it, it, that's not ideal uh, because the whole point is the, the devices are going to be very close if not touching the, the patient. So, Yeah, so for ONP, uh, at this point, I think the main the main use case for uh, for PLA would be prototyping. So if you're trying out something new that needs to fit with something else, uh, you know, print it with PLA first. It's cheap. It's easy to print. Uh, make sure that you've got your models all sort of dialed in to be the way that you want them to be, and then make your definitive device about a, out of a more appropriate material. Very cool. Great. Uh, next, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, about nylon also known as PA or polyamide. Uh, this is nice uh, for a couple reasons, and we've seen it being a, quite a, a prevalent uh, material for, for ONP. Um, one thing nice about it is it's used in a wide variety of different printing technologies, or so the FDM, MGF, and SLS. Um, they are somewhat compliant, so they will bend before cracking, uh, so not too brittle. Um, and this is tip you know, kind of typical of some of the plastics, uh, thermoplastics used in, in ONP uh, traditionally. Um, Jeff, what do you think are some of the characteristics also that make it work well in ONP? Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the first one that you mentioned about it being somewhat compliant, I think is a really, really important one. Uh, and it's contrary to uh, to the PLA. The PLA is very stiff for its uh, strength, but it will when it fails, it will fail sort of catastrophically, meaning it'll crack and <clears throat> fall apart, make quite a mess. Uh, whereas nylon materials tend not to do that, um, in particular once they've been hydrated. And what that means is that they will bend before before they break. And that's great because it's, it's a similar behavior to what we're used to having uh, with the sheet materials that they typically use. The other thing that's really important about nylon from a 3D printing specific uh, process is that nylon sticks to itself very well. Uh, with sheet manufacture, that's not really important because you're vacuum forming the sheet around some sort of mold and the, the material is the material. It's already stuck to itself where it needs to be. But with 3D printing, of course, as you're laying things down layer by layer, it's really important that the material sticks to itself. Otherwise, you'll have uh, delamination where it separates between the layers or between the inner and outer perimeters. So having nylon uh, be such that it sticks to itself is really good for, uh, for 3D printing. The other thing about nylon, uh, and it's a little bit good, it's a little bit bad, uh, is its water sensitivity. Uh, it is hydrophilic, which means that it likes water. Um, 
The implication of that is, for FDM anyways, that the filament needs to be dried and stored in a way that it stays dry. Uh, and the reason for that is if you don't do it, then there's going to be a bunch of water in the filament. And when that filament gets pushed through the nozzle, it's obviously heated up in order to melt so that it, you know, can print. Uh, but that water, when it gets to those temperatures, will become steam. And that steam will result in weaker bonding and a poor surface finish. So uh, it means that there's some extra treatment that you need to worry about in terms of uh, drying your material and storing your material so that it stays dry, stuff that you wouldn't have to worry about with sheet material in conventional manufacture. Now, the good part about that is that when nylon does absorb the water and it will absorb around 10% of whatever the ambient environment is. So if you're in an environment where it's about 40% humidity, at equilibrium, the nylon will end up holding about 4% water. Um, but once it gets from super dry, the way that you've printed it, into that four, three to 5% really uh, water content, it becomes significantly tougher, but a little less stiff. So what that means is, it's not going to be quite as rigid as when you first took it off the printer, which not great, but you can design around that knowing how much that's going to change. But what is really good about it is it becomes tougher, which means higher energy to failure, which means it's not going to fail catastrophically. It will make, you know, it will start to give a little bit before it breaks and you'll have uh, a bit of warning before anything bad happens. Yeah, it's lots to consider. Um, and we've also seen, you know, a lot of different variants and brands of nylons uh, with slightly different material properties. Uh, but they can also have other things, uh, you know, inside reinforced with carbon fiber and that kind of thing. How do some of those reinforcements um, and other additions, how does that impact the, the device and its, um, its I guess, uh, suitability for ONP? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different things about carbon fiber. Uh, it will make it stiffer. It will make it stronger. Uh, as a function of being stiffer, it also makes it easier to print. And the reason for that is nylon does tend to shrink during printing when it cools down, uh, which causes it to want to separate from the bed. Uh, but the stiffness from the carbon fiber bits inside it actually makes that less of an issue. So um, a nylon with carbon fiber will also be easier to print than a straight up nylon. Uh, downside, obviously, it's more expensive. Um, there's additional wear and tear on the nozzle. The, the little carbon fiber pieces that are inside the filament are abrasive and over time can, can damage the nozzles and make them require replacing sooner than you would need to otherwise. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's sensitive to water because, of course, uh, nylon with carbon fiber is sensitive to water, as is plain nylon. It's the nylon part that, that takes on the water. Um, yeah, um, with the I guess with the added cost of that material, uh, I'm a, I'm guessing that it's mostly uh, useful for definitive uh, devices, uh, sockets, NAFOs. Are there any other areas we've seen them uh, used? Yeah, certainly you'd want to you'd want to focus on definitives with it um, for a couple of reasons. One is I wouldn't want to make a check socket with uh, with carbon fiber. Just you know. It's wasteful. That's uh, more expensive material. I don't want to throw it away. But beyond that, uh, check sockets are, are generally speaking, going to be clear. Uh, so I would want to choose a material that I was able to print at least somewhat clear in order to be able to see the patient inside to make that assessment and do what I'm supposed to do with the check socket. 
printing a, uh, a check socket out of carbon fiber nylon that I can't see through uh, is really not going to give me the benefit. So it's going to cost me more and it's not going to be as good of, uh, as good of a product for its expressed purpose. Okay. Um, TPU is another material. It's actually, I think, can be used in FDM as well as MJF. Uh, what are some of the differences with the TPU to the nylon? So TPU, like nylon, uh, is great in that it sticks to itself very well. Uh, and like nylon that has been rehydrated, it has good compliance, meaning that there's some uh, flexibility with it and high energy to failure. Uh, so those are all great things. Uh, what's even better about TPU is it is not nearly as hydrophilic as nylon, so we don't have to worry about the water content the same way. We're still going to dry the material, um, but it does not undergo significant differences in mechanical properties as a function of the water absorbed. So what I take off the printer and what I have a week or a month later has the same properties, which is fantastic. Um, as with nylon, there are lots of different formulations which result in different stiffnesses. Uh, so you can go from anywhere from doing something like a uh, rigid sort of solid AFO uh, down to a flexible socket liner just by choosing a different formulation that has a different rigidity. Uh, the only thing to note there, and this is probably could be stated fairly generally across materials uh, for FDM, the softer the material is, probably the harder it is to print. Um, and, and there's also usually some aspects of the speed as well, uh, just because of the way that we push the material through the nozzle. A really soft material is harder to push through the nozzle quickly. Um, if you think about a piece of spaghetti before you've cooked it and a piece of spaghetti after you've cooked it, uh, one of those is going to be much easier to push through an orifice and it would be the uncooked piece. Mm. Is there also a, an outcome in, just in terms of how you support the device with softer materials tending to droop or sag during printing? Uh, that aspect of it isn't as bad. Um, it, this, the drooping or sagging is really just going to be a function of the, the shape geometry, how well it sticks to itself. Um, because regardless of the material, you're always printing it uh, a little bit above its melt temperature. Otherwise, you wouldn't be printing it and it wouldn't stick together. So I wouldn't say necessarily that a softer material is a lot harder from those perspectives. Um, it's still going to be more a question of the shape geometry and what kind of supports you have in place. Okay. The next material I thought we'd dive into is, uh, is PETG. And I know PCTG is, uh, is, a, is a close variant. Um, and we've seen those are nice because they can be in, in different colors, but also transparent or translucent. Um, so for, for check sockets, you know, for, for ONP, that's, uh, that's a big win right there. And actually just sort of to uh, separate out the, the PETG from the PCTG, uh, can you explain the difference there? Uh, again, as, as you mentioned, they are quite close. Um, the PCTG is ever so slightly tougher, uh, but you know, for a check socket, that's not something that I'm particularly concerned about. I would use them interchangeably for that, uh, for that application. Okay, uh, and what else um, can you say about uh, the PETG slash PCTG? 
So certainly one of the things that's really nice about those materials, the PETG more so, but um, is that it is a material that clinicians and technicians are already familiar with working with from sheet manufacture. So understanding uh, the amount of material that they need, what's, an, what's a reasonable thickness for a device is just, you know, it translates well from the sheet material versus, you know, nylon with carbon fiber embedded in it or TPU might not be something that they're used to using in sheet manufacture. And so it's going to require perhaps a little bit more experimentation to really dial in the uh, thickness of device that you need to achieve the compliance and rigidity that you need in a given type of uh, application. Hmm. Interesting. Um, lastly, in terms of the, the materials that uh, you know we've seen uh, out there for three D printing, uh, ABS is another one. Uh, I know at Morum here we haven't uh, done much uh, testing uh, or use with that material. Um, what do we know about it? Uh, probably the two biggest things about it um, when you consider printing are it does want to warp due to shrinkage, uh, similar to nylon in that regard. So it definitely requires a heated bed. And secondly, unlike some of the other materials or more so than any of the other materials, it does emit kind of a bad petroleum-y smell uh, during printing. Now, in a production environment where you've got all the machines appropriately ventilated, probably not a big deal. Uh, but if you're talking about setting up a printer in your home or in a small office where it's in the office area, uh, that's really going to be something that you're going to want to consider because if the whole office is in a bad mood when you're printing because it stinks, uh, that's probably not a fantastic working environment and it's going to have negative impacts in other parts of your business. Yeah, I think we'll pass on that. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, already we've, I think we've covered a lot of uh, technical stuff and I can imagine people kind of skipping back through to pick up uh, some of these details um, of, of the, you know, the specific materials that we've talked about. Uh, are there any materials that you've seen, um, you know, new materials coming down the pipe or do you see more development into the, the, some of those ones we've already talked about, especially, especially around the O&P side? Yeah, so with the materials, I mean, are there new materials coming? Probably not really. Are there existing materials that are being tweaked so that they can be better used for 3D printing? Absolutely. As, as was mentioned earlier about nylon, is there are myriad of different formulations and they can have quite a variety of sensitivity to water, uh, degree of stiffness, and stuff like that. So. Uh, there's a lot of variability there and just finding out the best mixture that will print well i'm sure there's going to be ongoing developments in that area ditto for carbon fiber because uh, with carbon fiber you've got a you've got a few different um variables to consider in a carbon fiber based uh or not a carbon fiber based filament but a carbon fiber uh filament and those are going to be the lengths of the fibers that are within the filament as well as the amount of it. So is it one or two or five or 10% carbon fiber? And as you go up, obviously there's gonna be an increased cost, but you're also going to get uh, additional stiffness with it up to a certain point where it's gonna to start to uh, level out in terms of a curve about how much benefit you get for adding more material. So 
finding those things uh, is going to be super key to, to, to improving what we can get off of the 3D printers as a function of the material. Fascinating. Um, really uh, appreciate your time today, Jeff. I learned a lot as usual. And thanks again for diving in on this specific subject with me. Thanks for joining me. And uh, to the audience, hope to see you or I hope you hear from me again soon. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, review, or share on whichever platform you're listening on. We build these episodes according to what we think you want to hear. So please do leave us some feedback by either leaving a comment or reaching out to us at info at forum.com. Until then, take care.